Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Well, who's ready for some word? <laughs> All right. I mean, you can still do it if you want to, but it's not necessary now. But, uh, but anyway, uh, I want to share some things with you today. We started uh, a series last week that I called Road Trip. And uh, Road trip, you know, it refers to you're going someplace, you know, and God is getting ready to take us. He's getting us ready for a road trip. He's, and there are places that he wants to take us in our life, and uh, there are places that he wants to take us as a church. And... You know, something that has been uh, really strong upon my heart for um, the last couple of months as we have been, uh, you know, separated and, and in uh, lockdown mode and, and, and that kind of thing is that, uh, you know, when God, when, when this thing is over, when, when this COVID issue is, when it's done and over, and it will be, come on, I heard one person that agrees with that. Who else agrees with that? Amen. Amen. This COVID thing will be over. We will get through it, and we will come out the other side. But when we do, I want you to be determined that you're not going to come out of it the same way you went into it. Amen? God wants to take us somewhere as a church. And so I've been spending extra, um, giving extra attention to listening to what God is saying to us as a church and where he wants to take us. Praise God. You know, if you're going on a road trip, it kind of, it, it is a good idea to um, have some sort of an idea where you're going. You know, do you need to take your parka or do you need to take your swimsuit? You know, what, what do you need to take with you on your, your road trip? Where are you going to end up? Uh, you know, if you take the parka and you're going to the beach, that's not a good idea. Okay? And so we want to have a general idea of where we're going. Now, you may not know all the details of how we're going to get there and that kind of thing. But you see, here's the deal. God wants to reveal to us some things and give us some direction 
so that coming out of this thing, we don't come out just like we went in. Praise God. Um, and so, um, as I begin to seek God's direction for our church, uh, He began to speak some things to me, uh, you know, by, by way of, of vision, and uh, some things that He that we need to be doing during this time. This is what I am, uh, that's what this series is all about, is getting us ready for the road trip that we're about to go on. Praise God. Um, the first thing that we need to do as a church is we need to identify our purpose. We need to identify our purpose. You see, um, there are things that God told all believers to do, told all churches to do. There are things that, you know, that as a church, and we talked about this early on when we went into this shutdown time, we spent some of our uh, several days of our daily um content that we were posting on the internet, and we, we spent several days of that talking about, um, you know, our, our purpose as, as the body of Christ, things that all churches are supposed to do. Jason, Pastor Jason and I, we sat down together uh, in the early going, and uh, let's, you know, the video's great, but let's uh, not play it right now. Um, but, uh, but anyway, we, we sat down in the early days of that and we talked about what are we, uh, what did, did the Lord tell the church in large, by and large, the, the worldwide church, what did he tell us to do? What are the, the requirements that we must fulfill as a church in order to be the church that he intended for us to be, you know, we've got to uh, we've got to provide teaching. We've got to we've got to provide prayer. We've got to partake of the communion table together, and you know, and, and these are some things that he told the church. By and large, you need to be doing these things together, um, and then um, you know, as we in, in the last few weeks and, and uh, I've just been listening to the Lord but what is our specific purpose for this particular expression of the church and uh, you know we had a uh, uh, we sat down and we we laid out some uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, I was trying to tell someone this yesterday, and I could not think of the right word. Uh, our core values, that's what I was trying to say. I wish I could have thought of this yesterday. But uh, our, we laid out some core values, and we laid out seven core values of, of what our church is all about. And uh, as, as I have been uh, you know, spending time just listening to what the Lord is saying about this, you know, we're going to refine that a little bit. We're, we're going to 
to refine those core values because I want you to be able to, somebody says, what's your church all about? I want you to be able to tell them what those core values are. And uh, so we're going to refine those core values for you a little bit. And, uh, uh, but we, we've got to identify our purpose because, see, there are so many good things that you can do. My pastor David Emi used to always say this. He said, there are good things and then there are God things. And, and, and they're, they're not necessarily the same thing. You know, there, there are a lot of good things we could be doing as a church, but we've got to identify what are the God things for our church. Praise God. And, and because, you know, if you want to do something with excellence, anybody ever watched, uh, uh, I, I don't even recall the, the show, but there's, there, there was a show on television uh, with, with Robert Irvine, who's a, uh, a chef, and, and he would go into a restaurant that was struggling, and, you know, and barely keeping the doors open and this kind of thing, and he would examine the things they were doing in the restaurant and, and tell them, say, okay, you need to fix this, you need to change this, you need to, and if you'll do this, you'll be able to keep the doors open and turn this around and quit losing money and become profitable. And, uh, you know, and, and one of the things that, that he said sometimes to some of these restaurants was uh, their menu was too big. There are often too many things. And, and so he, he would narrow down and shrink down the menu so that they weren't trying to offer so many different things, but, uh, but they would focus in on some specialties and some things that, you know, what makes, um, what makes your restaurant different? What, what unique thing do you have at your restaurant? Well, we could ask the same thing about our church. What makes our church unique? What makes us different? What's you know, are we just trying to duplicate what's going on down the street? Or are we, you know, and, and I had the privilege yesterday of, uh, of meeting uh, on a Zoom call with some of our Philippine pastor friends. And um, I talked to them about this very thing that I'm sharing with you today. That the tendency is we look around and I think, I think most pastors have, have been to church growth conferences and things like this and, and, and they hear somebody that's had a, uh, that has a very successful church get up and share about you know this is what we did and this is what you got to do and this is if you want to be successful and I've always kind of struggled with those things because I, I, I've always believed that you know what works in one locality may not work in every locality. And in fact, I know of, of two very successful churches. The pastor of one of those churches says, the way we built our church is by doing door-to-door -door evangelism. And the pastor of this other church, also a highly successful church, says, door-to-door -door evangelism is a waste of time. And so both 
are very successful. And it worked for one, and apparently the other had some experience with it. It didn't work so well. So you've got to find what works in your particular situation, your particular locality, praise God, and find out what is the thing that God has given us, Word of Life Church, Carlsbad, New Mexico, to do. Praise God. What is our niche, so to speak? And, uh, you know, we, we've been over the last few years, uh, um, you know, getting a hold of this little pieces at a time, and, and, and God's been clarifying that for us. But I believe that coming out of this COVID uh, pandemic situation, that God is wanting to really clearly define for us where we need to be going because he's wanting to take us on a road trip and a road trip is designed to get you from point a to point b that's the whole idea and god's wanting to take us from point a to point b as a church praise god praise god and so here i believe I, I want to, to say it this way, that this is what I believe our, our number one objective is to reach as far as, as far as who we are to reach as a church. You know, there are going to be some people that, uh, you know, some churches that reach people we can't reach, and we're going to reach some they can't reach. And the whole idea is to build the family of God. And because people are unique and people are different, you know, um, we were driving down the road the other day and we saw a, a big gated entrance and a sign up that said, uh, uh, Cowboy Church. I got a pretty good idea that they want to reach cowboys. Anybody concur with, if you think I read that right? You know, they want to reach cowboys, all right? So who are we to reach? And so here's what the, uh, I believe is one of the most important things as far as, as what we've got to understand. God has called us Word of Life Church, Carlsbad, New Mexico. He has called us to reach those who have been marginalized by the church world. To reach those who have been marginalized by the church world. Um, and, and we could say it this way, improbable people. People that, that don't seem, you know, they, um, let me just share something with you. Saul the first king of Israel, right? Okay, Saul. Um, he was marginalized because of his family. Now get this, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? So said, we're a little tribe, and we're the smallest family in that tribe. 
So you see, he had been marginalized in his, whether he was marginalized by everybody else, at least in his own mind, he was marginalized because of being the smallest tribe and the smallest family in the tribe. And so, uh, you know, there was probably some of that that was in his mind, and some of it was probably based in some reality. You know, I've, I found that's, that's usually the case, that when we, we have people that, that feel like they've been marginalized, sometimes it's, there's at least part of it in their own mind, and part of it is based in reality. And so, uh, he said, I'm the smallest tribe and the smallest family in, in my tribe. And I don't know what in the world that roar is, but it is probably not sounding good on the online. Um, the next one, I want you to look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. Now, who's, who's he talking about here? Who's the Lord talking about? He is talking about um, David's older brother, one of his older brothers. And so, um, you know, Samuel went to anoint David as king, but David didn't even get invited to the feast. It was for him, and he wasn't even invited. And they brought out one of his older brothers, and the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance. I, he, he says here, I don't see like men see. I don't see him the way you see him. You see his stature, you see his physical appearance, and you say, this has got to be the one. This is not the one I've chosen. And in fact, David wasn't even there, and Samuel looked at all of the brothers, and, and he finally said, uh, is there not another brother somewhere? Oh, yeah, there's the little guy. He's out in the field, you know, with the sheep. You know, the, these are all the qualified ones. But there's the little guy out in the field. You know, somebody, well, bring him. And so... They send and they bring David into the feast, and David is the one that the Lord has chosen to be the king of Israel. Praise God. And so, uh, you know, there are those that, because they look a certain way, how, how many times, I'm going to ask you, don't, do not, don't raise your hand on this, you know. Uh, but I'm going to ask you a question, just answer it for yourself. How many of you have seen people and you immediately make a determination in your mind whether or not this person's a Christian? Just because of their appearance. Now, you know, I hope that's not the case. I hope we're beginning to learn enough to realize that God can use people that, that in, in our religiously trained mind, and that's what it is. It, it's a religiously trained mind 
that we think this person looks like a Christian. This person doesn't look like a Christian. And we make a determination based on what a person looks like as to whether they're a Christian or not. What is Word of Life Church all about? Defining our very specific purpose. We are called to reach marginalized people that, that you know, for, for one reason or another, and this is one of the reasons why people are marginalized sometimes is because they look a certain way. And I got to tell you, that's not right. It's not right. We got to start looking like God sees, seeing like God sees people. And I tell you what, God sees every human being as valuable. And he wants every single one of them. Praise God. And there are some of them that, you know, the church by and large, well, they look like, oh, these people look like good Christians. And then there are some people that don't look like good Christians, but they are. And besides that, we're not just after Christians. You know, we're not just reaching out to Christians. You know, what are we doing if all we do is reach a bunch of people that are already Christians? Have we really done anything of significance if that's all we do is reach out to people that, uh, you know, are already believers? Let's look at the next one. How about Saul, another Saul, Saul of Tarsus? Acts chapter 9, the Lord speaks to Ananias Saul of Tarsus, he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he went into the city, and, uh, you know, he's there, and he's, he was blinded because uh, of the light that shone in his eyes, and um, he is there, and the Lord speaks to Ananias, and he says, I want you to go, and I want you to lay your hands on Saul of Tarsus. Um, and I want you to, to pray for him that, he, that his, his sight be restored and that he, um, uh, you know, I'm going to fill him with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to show him the things that he must do. And uh, so um, Ananias, he says, Lord... It's Acts chapter 9, verse 13. Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. There are some people who have been marginalized because of your reputation, because of things you have done in your past. Because people say, well, you know, how can God use this person because they've done this or they've done that? We're called to reach those who have been marginalized. I love it when improbable people rise up and show what God can do in their life. 
How that God can transform a life that was once a, you know, a person that had a bad reputation. And God can take that person and turn them into something great. Praise God. I love it. And, and, and as a church, Word of Life Church, Carlsbad, New Mexico, we are called to reach marginalized people that nobody else thinks are worth the time or effort. And, and that, that's really, let me just, that's, that's really not a fair statement either because sometimes that's, you know, some, sometimes it's not that people don't think they're, they're worth it. Sometimes people don't know what to do with them. Sometimes people don't know what, you know, how, how do you deal with a person like this? And, and they don't know how to deal with it. I'm not sure I know how to deal with some people. But you know what? We're going to reach, and God's going to teach. Praise God. We're, you might commit that one to memory. No, I'm not rapping. <laughs> We're going to reach, and God's going to teach. Praise God. We're going to reach to them, and God's going to teach us how to reach them. Praise God. Praise God. And then, you know, notice this. God says, don't marginalize a person based on their appearance. James chapter, four, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4, you know, he addresses this situation. What if people come into your church that don't look like they belong there? What if people come into your church that don't look like they, they you know, this person coming to church looking like that? You know, James says, uh, you know, he, let's just read this. He says, my brethren, do you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality? For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. That's what the Word of God says to us. That's what the Scripture says uh, 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 about that. You know, um, I could just tell you that, you know, I am I'm very proud to say as a pastor of this church, that that's really not too big an issue with, with uh, most of our congregation. I hope with all of our congregation. Uh, but that's, that's, we really have not had that too much of an issue. But we can't have because God's going to bring in people that don't fit the mold. God's going to bring in people that have been marginalized by religion and said, God can't use this person, God can't use that person because of this, because of that, because, you know. And God says, I'll use who I want to use. 
Praise God. Praise God. Now, Luke chapter 14, verse 23. And I'm just simply calling this point, it's time to hit the highway. It's time to hit the highway. In Luke chapter 14, verse 23, then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Hit, let's hit the highway. Let's compel them to come in. We're on a road trip. Praise God. Now, in, in uh, Luke chapter 14, let's back up to verse number 16. It says, then he said to them, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Now, anytime the scripture, I've, I've taught you this, that anytime a parable uses the term a certain man or a certain person or a certain, you know, it, it's talking about someone very specific and we should be able to identify who that specific person is. And so here he says, a certain man and it becomes very clear that the certain man that he's talking about is our Father God. He says, a certain man um, gave a supper and he invited many. In verse number 17, it says, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. He said, I've got everything prepared. It's time for the supper to start. It's time for the meal to, to be served. So go out and tell everybody everything's ready. Come on, let's eat. And then in verse number 18, he says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. Now, if you're listening to me and you find yourself making one of these excuses, if one of these things is talking about you, you need to quit making excuses because there's something down at the end of here that uh, if you're making excuses, something at the end of here you're not going to like. Okay. So here he says, they all began with one accord to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. This was someone who thought they had something that was more important than going to the feast. They have more important things to do than to make it to the feast. There are some, they're saved, they're born again. They're going to heaven. But they've got more important things to do than connect with a local body of believers. They've got something more, more pressing on their mind than to, than, than to connect with a body of local believers. Praise God. I heard someone the other day say, well, I don't go to church. I am the church. I couldn't help it. I had to comment back on that and say, you are not the church because the body says we are his body. And then there's another verse that says, and the body is not one member but many. 
And so you are not the church. We are the church. You can't be the church by yourself because a body is not one member but many. And so if you've got more pressing things, more important things to do than to connect to a local body of believers, this is speaking to you. You're making this, you know, I've got other things to do. I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. You mean you bought a piece of ground without seeing it? And then he says, I ask that you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. Once again, I got more pressing things to do than to connect with the local body of believers. I got more pressing things on my mind, on my plate. Have me excused. And then there was still another that he said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. I got to say, so why don't you bring your wife with you? You know, I hear people, well, you know, it's our family time. And, you know, that one sounds real noble. You know, it's our family time. We've got to protect our family time. Well, you're destroying your family time if you don't get them connected with the local body of believers. You're actually not protecting them from anything. You're actually putting them in harm's way. And so, notice... There were the excuses. And then in verse 21, he says, So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done. So in other words, he was given an instruction. You go out and you find the people that are lame and that, that are needing healing. You go out and you find them and you bring them in. And the servant went and he did it. And he came back and he said, Okay, Master, I've, I've done what you said to do. And then the master says, Well, the house is still not full. So then he says this, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. He wants his house filled because he has provided adequate supply for everyone to come. There's not a shortage of what God has for us. And then notice what he says. For I say to you, I said there was a part at the end of here that some weren't going to like. Some that have been making the excuses we talked about. And here he says, for I say to you that none of of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. Hmm. So are you saying God's going to cut me off because I don't go to church? That's not what I said. I said, you know, it's prepared there. All you got to do is come eat. 
But if you don't have time to come eat, I'm not going to bring it to you and force feed you. That, that, that's what God's saying. He said, you know, there, there, is, uh, there is plenty that has been provided here for all to come. But if you don't have time to come to the dinner table, how many of you, you know, how many of you ever said to your kids, uh, dinner's ready. If you don't come eat, I'm sorry, you're just going to be hungry. You know, you're going to have to turn off that video game and come eat. If not, well, I hope you get full on that video game. I, I hope you get fed virtually in some way. But, you know, which, by the way, that's my diet plan, virtual food. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, if you don't come eat... There are those who are making excuses. I don't have time for this reason or I don't have time for that reason. Well, the table is spread and it's ready for you. There is a chair and a name tag for you. But if you don't come and eat it, if you don't come and receive what God has prepared for you, I'm sorry. You're just not going to eat because I'm not carrying it to you. Now, those that have felt left out in church, and I don't really have time to go into this today, but I'm going to hit it real quick. There are those that are uninformed, no, I'm not going to go into that. Never mind. I'll, I'll pick that up next week. I'm going to have to stop because it'll, we'll be here for a while longer if I even start down that road. Okay. So we, we better not start there. We'll come back next week and, and we'll finish up on this. Praise God. Praise God. But you see, we have a specific purpose that we are called to fulfill God has sent us, set us in this place for the purpose of reaching those who have been marginalized by the religious community. And those that, that many have deemed unworthy or unqualified or, uh, you know, for, for one reason or another... God can't use this person, can't use that person. God, and God says, I'll use whoever I want to use. Praise God. Praise God. And I choose to use all who will allow me to. That's what he's saying. Praise God. Praise God. Well, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you fit into that category that maybe you felt marginalized. Maybe you felt that, that the church world has looked at you and deemed you unqualified. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus qualified you. Praise God. Jesus has qualified you. And he wants you to come because there is a name tag 
on the table for you. How do you come? Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus has qualified you. You now must accept what he's done. Everyone pray this with me right now. And if you pray this, and you mean this, you mean what you're saying. If you don't mean it, nothing will happen. But if you pray this and you mean what you're saying, according to God's word, you are saved. So let's say this together. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me for pain that he paid for my sins and then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus. I choose to put my trust in him for my salvation. Jesus, I receive you into my life. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. and We've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with you.